This is Canada Reads American Style, featuring two friends who love Canada Reads and Canadian literature. Welcome our host Rebecca from Michigan and Tara from Ontario. Tara, how was your week? Hey, Rebecca. I actually have had a really nice week. It was quiet, um, not very productive in terms of like doing stuff, but I did got a lot of reading done. So yeah, I had a great week. How about you? Well, I actually read a book in a week, which for me, mm-hmm. and it was a 300-page book. I finished it. I'm so proud of myself because wow. I'm a slow reader, but I got through it. And also... You know, we posted our first podcast, and which means I somewhat successfully was able to edit it, and I'm very proud of myself. So, yeah, it was a good week. Good, good. You very successfully edited it, so good job. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I actually was too quiet, which has I've never been accused of being too quiet my entire life, so I don't know. I'm still working out the technical side of my part of it, but we'll get it down. It'll be good. Yeah. So, well... We're talking this week about a book that we both read called A Town Called Solace by Mary Lawson. And this is, I had read one of her books before in the past, and you and I read this one, and I think we both really enjoyed it, which you'll all hear about in just a minute here. But I'm going to go ahead and start with the first question. We're just going to dig right in and get into it. So, Tara, my first question for you is, why do you think Lawson set the book in 1972, and would the story still resonate if it was set in 2022? Okay, so I did think about this as we were reading it, and I'm, okay, a little spoiler alert here. We're going to try and not give too many spoilers, but it might be difficult for them not to seep in. But what I came up with, why I think it was set in 1972, and my answer is a very technical one, in that there's no internet. So I know that sounds really uh, simple, but with the, this is not a spoiler because you find this out within the first couple of pages, maybe even on the um, book leaf, I think. Is that what it's called? Clara's older sister, Rose, has disappeared. Has, she has run away. So we find out that right from the beginning. And I think by setting it in 1972, Rose doesn't have a cell phone. So when she runs away, she is gone. Like there is no way to even know which direction she's gone to locate her phone or anything. Like she is just off the map. So I think that's one. And the other one, I'm going to do this without trying to give not too much of a spoiler. I don't think I will. Uh, We also can't, where it's set in, in 1972, the characters can't do a quick Google search either on themselves or in particular for Miss Orchard, who has a past. We don't know what her past is at the beginning of the book, but you can't do a quick search. Or even when Liam comes into town, you can't do a quick like search just who this new person is. So everything is almost a very blank slate. So you're finding out stuff as the characters are finding out. Well, it's interesting because I kept forgetting that it was set in 1972 in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then I have to remind myself, and it's kind of what you just said, which is, oh, yeah, they didn't have the internet. They couldn't have looked things up. But I also thought of something else because I do 
work in a rural community, uh, not Northern Ontario, which was in 72, 50 years ago, was probably very isolated, really. But I was thinking how small communities like that would be very insular, and they wouldn't really necessarily, because they didn't have access maybe, they wouldn't have necessarily been interested in the wider community outside of themselves. And so I think they just interacted with each other. They wanted that lifestyle, that quieter maybe lifestyle. And so that's, and and I was thinking, and now in a small rural community where I work, you know, it's exactly what you just said. They're, they're all on Facebook. They have a Facebook group. Their, their focus is not always necessarily their small town and what's going on in their small town. They have a bigger view of the world. So in that way, it absolutely made sense to set this very sort of quiet, insular kind of story. It had to have been set at a time where, as you said, we couldn't just Google everything, right? Yep, that's interesting because when when you say that, then I'm also realizing like Liam, who comes to Solace, and Miss Orchard, who came to Solace, they both came running away from something. Right. So, yeah. Right. So that way their past kind of can't follow them either. Oh, that's a really good point because right. Liam was coming from Toronto. Uh, Mrs. Orchard and her husband came from Guelph. So you're right. They would have had that more urban experience and nobody would know who they were or what they were, <laughs> what their past yeah. had been had they gone, yeah, to Northern Ontario. So let me ask you this as a Canadian. So when she says Northern Ontario, like how far north or, or how isolated was it, do you think, back in 72? Oh, I think it was very isolated, actually. I'm just thinking. So I only moved to Ontario um, now 50. So I guess 30, 25 years ago, 25 to 30 years ago. And we haven't gone very far in northern Ontario, but we've gone a couple times up um to Algonquin, we camp up there, and I th- there's a Killarney. We've been up to Killarney, and there are some pretty small communities that are very, and even just listening to news and reading, there are very small, isolated communities in 2021 and now 2022. So I'm thinking in the 1970s, oh, yeah, they would have been very remote. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that ex- so I think I think that... It makes sense that she would have set this book in the past. And it was funny, you and I both watched an interview with her and nobody had asked that question or the interviewer didn't ask. But I think, so I I don't want to say it was an obvious reason why she did it, but I wish they kind of had asked her that specifically, but oh well. (laughs) Yeah, I was waiting for him to ask her that as well. I wanted to hear what she had to say about it, but but we just figured it out anyways. I think we did. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Rebecca, so my question to you, because we meet a lot of characters, or yeah, actually quite a few characters in the town of Solace. Do you have a favorite character? And if so, who? Okay, you know, I was really, when I thought about this question, I was really thinking main characters, but now I'm thinking, oh gosh, maybe I want to say a different answer. Okay, so I will say for my main characters, because Clara, who is a seven-year-old girl, and then there's Liam, who I would say is, I think, maybe around mid-30s, I think. And then there's Elizabeth, 
who Mrs. Orchard, who's at end of life, basically. And I was really thinking right off the bat, I thought, oh my gosh, it's Liam. Because Liam's arc is more fully fleshed out. You sort of know his trauma as a child and then his sort of stultified life in his mid-30s, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of, I kind of just fell in love with him and I wanted him to be okay. But I have to say, now that I think about other characters, I love, I don't remember his name now, but the cop. I loved the cop because he, what a cool guy he was in the sense that he was just a matter of fact, take charge of things. He was really the only cop in in a, in a wide uh, geographical area, and he sort of had to take care of business. But he was really, I felt, com- you know, compassionate and caring, but also knew how to take care of business. So I'm going to cheat and say those are my two favorite characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I'm going to cheat a little bit as well. <laughs> Because I'm also going to choose Liam, only because for the same reason, I loved his story and that you get to know Liam from the time he's, I think, three or four to he's in his mid-30s. So that's a huge chunk of his life. So you really get to know Liam. So I loved him, but my cheat character is going to be Moses the cat because I am a cat person and I loved... (laughs) How this cat just kind of like disappeared in and out throughout the book. Like physically, he would disappear whenever Liam came into his house. Because Moses was Mrs. Orchard's cat, who she had Clara watching while she was in the hospital. I loved that Moses would not stick around whenever Liam came into the house. He would disappear at the back door. But then towards the end of the book, and I think I mentioned this to you when we were discussing this, um, maybe last week or something, Rebecca, just quickly, that I ended up equating Liam and Moses together in my head. So they never met. Liam and Moses never met throughout the entire book. I don't want to spoil, but this is a bit of a spoiler. I'm going to put it out there. So Liam does decide to stay in solace. And it's at this point when he goes into the house and Moses is sitting in the middle of the room and stays and they finally meet the two that they are essentially roommates. And then they finally meet on the very last line of the book. And then just shortly before that, at some point, Clara's mom actually states that she seen that she believes that Clara seems to have adopted Liam. So in the same way that Clara is taking care of Moses, She is also taking care of Liam as she helps him unpack a box one by one as he's contemplating whether or not to stay. So in my mind, those two characters are linked and I love them both. Okay. That is a really super brilliant answer. I have to tell you you. that is no, really seriously like that. It never, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm not a cat person. I I mean, I like cats. I've had a cat before, but I'm Maybe if it had been a dog, I would have, you know, jumped on it sooner. But no, I think that's a really great answer. Uh, And I will say, too, if anyone, I mean, I'm sure if anyone's listening, they really have read the book by now. But it's not a real spoiler to say that Liam stays in town because you really know. I mean, kind of from the beginning, you know he's not going anywhere. Because Mary Lawson also writes books that are humanistic and beautiful and, and hopeful and everything else. And so... 
I mean, for me, I was never worried that he was going anywhere, even when mm-hmm. for a while you thought maybe he would, but I knew he wouldn't. So, but yeah, the cat, I mean, when you told me that, I just was blown away. So I think that's a really brilliant answer. And I wish I had thought of it <laughs> first. <laughs> I wish I had written this and I'm not even a writer. I write nothing. And when I did that, I'm like, oh my God, she's brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant to just have them always separate it and then coming together at the very last sentence I'm like wow yeah and I and that's what I want to say about Mary Lawson because I've I've only actually I think she said she's written four novels and I've only read uh I read Crow Lake which I absolutely loved which put solace on the map for me in terms of wanting to read it and there's I always say there's something about stories where it's just the slice of life of people who live everyday lives and they're not going to be spectacular, famous people and they're not going to set the world on fire, but it's their everyday lives. And then the intricacy that she weaves these narratives together and they are, they're just so powerful. I I just think she is a talent. And she said the book took six years to write and she said she writes every day, like five days a week. So she is a craftsperson for sure, a wordsmith, definitely. Oh, yeah. Okay. So my my question, though, and this is really funny because I was telling Tara, I saw a meme today where it said something about, it had a, a, a guy's shocked face, and then it said, that moment when you connect the dots of the title and the meaning of the title of a book. And I thought, okay, <laughs> this is exactly what I try to do now is I often don't connect the dots. So I wanted to ask a question about the title. So here's my question for you, Tara. The definition of solace is comfort in a time of distress or sadness. So in your opinion, who need, I mean, it's a two-part question, by the way, who needed solace the most and who received it? Okay. First, when you give the definition of solace, this is a brilliant title to this book. She mm-hmm. is brilliant. I'm a huge new fan of hers. This is the first book of hers that I've read. Okay, who needed solace the most? I feel like, oh, what's a tough one? Um, I'm going to say almost the most immediate in need was maybe Clara because she was so traumatized by the loss of her sister, by her sister going away. But I think who received the most was Liam. I almost feel like she, I mean, Clara still receives solace as well. But I think it was Liam who received it from the community as a whole and everyone he met. And I'm thinking with Joe, when he met Joe, like his relationship with Joe, the, was she a librarian as well, right? Yes, she was a librarian. Who made ice cream. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is a very cool little detail. So. Yeah, that's that's who I think. So yeah, it's funny we have the exact same answers, but I'm gonna oh. I'm going to um, say a little bit more about Clara too because yeah. Clara opens the book and she's really traumatized on a, sort of a number of levels. She's a little girl who I kind of wondered if she might be on the autism spectrum a little bit because she needed things you know, arranged a certain way she needed when, when, uh, Liam shows up and he puts his boxes in the uh, house, uh, Mrs. Orchard's house. He, you know, she's worried that, you know, she needs them to be like, up against the wall and leave the floor kind of open and everything. But I think she was traumatized because her sister, her 16 year old sister has gone missing. She's traumatized because Mrs. Orchard was supposed to be in the hospital for a short time 
and hasn't come back yet. And she's had to, uh, Clara, she'd asked Clara to take care of Moses, the cat and the cat. She's had to go and refill his food, like buy more cans of food, um, a few times because Mrs. Orchard hasn't returned. And then also she discovers really that the adults in her life are lying to her. You know, that everybody's telling her, her parents are saying, don't worry, Rose will be back. The teacher's saying, it'll all be fine. So she's just so traumatized. And think about that as a seven-year-old. I mean, everything in her life was so upside down and she was really, really struggling. So I totally agree that I think she's the one that really needed you know, comfort the most. And I also agree a hundred percent that Liam is the one who received it because even when you said about his relationship with Joe and then even his relationship with the cop, and then he ends up becoming sort of a handyman with the local sort of, um, carpenter or whatever his like, uh, Jack of all trades kind of guy. And, he fits in there as well. He goes to this restaurant, which serves either a hamburger or poutine. It's pretty much, <laughs> there's not a lot of choice there, although I think pie was involved as well. But he he really is embraced in this small town. And, you know, he lived in big cities. And for the first time in his life, he started to feel, you know, um, just that connection to other people. Yeah. He'd pr- lived a pretty solitary life up until that point. Even though he'd been married, he, he was pretty living a pretty solitary life. So, yeah. Yeah. I knew, I just knew we would have the same answers. I swear I, know. I really did. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a <laughs> and I have a feeling we'll answer this last one the same way as well. <laughs> well, that will be interesting to see. Okay, so my last question is if you had this power, the power over Mary Lawson of the secondary characters in the book Whose story would you like to read in her next book? Okay, so this is really a big spoiler, um, but because uh, Rose does, they do find Rose. And I'm not going to say what happens to Rose. I want to keep that sort of intact. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely Rose because what I loved about the story is, you know, I was so invested in Clara and I was so invested in Liam and Mrs. Orchard and everything that when Rose returns, there was this moment where I went, wait a minute, wait a minute, what, what about Rose? Like Rose is kind of completely left out of the mix. And then I started saying to myself, well, think about this. It's 1972 and the trauma that Rose has experienced would have probably been hushed up. It would have been, you know, we would have stomped on that thing and made it go away as much as we could. But I think Rose probably was never going to be okay after that. I just, I I think again, like it's 1972, would she be afraid to go out to a larger town or a city again? Would she, would her parents, you know, try to emotionally coddle her because of this trauma that she had experienced? And so I just felt, I want to know that she's okay. And I'm not so sure that I think, you know, 50 years ago, she would have been. So who's your character? Yeah. Okay, before I tell you mine, I I've, I may blow your mind again right now. I'm oh. getting really cocky. I know. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> what if I think the book ends with Rose being the one who needs the most solace now at the end, who hasn't, isn't received, like, you know, she hasn't gotten it yet at the end. Like, because you're correct. It's, 
She has been traumatized. And at the end, she is just barely hanging on. Really, right? Oh, yeah. She's practically catatonic. Yeah. 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 So I'm like, oh, my God. The book is kind of ending with her needing solace. The other characters have found it. Oh, my God. She's got chills from that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I didn't think, but till you went through it, I'm like, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but mine is not Rose. My choice is not Rose. I know. I'm surprising you. I would love to know Liam's mother's story because she is not a very nice mother to Liam. Liam has, when he was younger, when he was, when we are introduced to him as a young boy, when he was three or four, has two, I think two older sisters, right? I think it was two. And she seems like a great mom with the two older sisters and seems to like those, his sisters and takes care of them. She does not seem to like Liam. Like there's something she has against Liam that she, that prevents her from being a proper mom to him. I'm just not sure. I would, I want to know what brought her up to this point what is stopping her from being the mom that she can be to the sisters or at least a better mom in the sense Mm -hmm. that she can't be to him. Yeah. I, gosh, I hadn't even really, I mean, I did think about it in the sense, the thing that that's why Liam was my favorite character because I thought that kid never stood a chance because she didn't like him almost from the minute, or at least the the point at which we come in where he's like three or four years old, she doesn't like him and she makes it pretty clear that she can tolerate or, embrace the other kids, but she Mm -hmm. really can't tolerate him. And I wondered, and and then also when he was, I think six years old, they end up getting his, the parents you find out get divorced and then they move somewhere and and then he's not in contact with his father. And then 10 years later when he's 16, his father kind of reaches out to him, but the mother never knows the father reaches out to Liam. And so I just keep thinking that 10 year span that Liam even if his father had been some support to him at, on some level, it was gone for 10 years. So that yeah. child grew up into teenagehood without feeling any love or care. So yeah, that's a really, that's a great mm-hmm. question. Yep. And there's a point, I can't remember what had happened, but he was, as an adult, I think when he was in Solace, was talking to his father briefly and had just mentioned something, or maybe it was about his marriage. And the father said, don't tell your mother, you know what she's like. And I was like, whoa, like that's a huge thing that's happened in his life. And he can't even tell his mom about it. I can't remember if it was that his marriage had broken up or that he had moved to another town. But I'm like, he's just not telling his mom. So since you've now read, I've read, this is my second one by Lawson. This is your first. Are we going to go back and are we going to read them all now? Oh, yeah, we are. I agree. <laughs> she she is such a, a compelling writer. And then it was funny when we watched that we we watched that uh, video that you had shared uh, the interview, and she just has this very calm, just sort of regal or elegant way of speaking. I just really yeah. loved her interview as well. I wish I wish we could interview her, but I know that would be impossible. I'm sure she doesn't she doesn't necessarily. Uh, respond to little podcasts or anything, but uh, maybe we. But could you hope never that. know. Yeah, you yeah. never know. That's yeah. true. 
she had one line. I'm going to end up paraphrasing it because I'm sure I didn't get it correctly in that interview. But she said something like, small lives still have their tragedies and people still need solace. That's the book. And I think we're going to end on that. That's beautiful. Thanks. Welcome. Thank you.